Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. So good to have you with us, everybody. Hope you can hear me all right. We're broadcasting live from the MBA Tech Conference. Such an honor to be here. And we are broadcasting live from the D&H booth. And uh, if you're here at the conference listening to this, come on over. We're looking forward to having you swing by. So there's a few issues that we're having with technology. <laughs> this would it be about a technology show and doing a radio program from a technology show and not have some issues? <laughs> Well, there's always things going on. So anyway, it's good to have you with us, everybody. It is April 4th. I'm broadcasting live from L.A. at the J.W. Marriott Conference Facility. It's where this event is taking place. But it's good to have you here with us, everybody. Again, this broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Progress and Lending Award. So very exciting to be have that honor. Also, I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors. ArchMI is uh, a creator of the innovative RateStar product. They're talking about that product here at the conference. Very good. Uh, what's going on there? Well, we talk about that later. Also, Motivity Solutions. Saw the guys from Motivity. Again, our hearts go out to Todd. Uh, his family, as well as to the entire Motivity family for the loss that they've recently suffered with um, Whoops, sorry about that. Wrong mic. They're going to, uh, went away, uh, passed away here recently. So our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone there at Motivity. It's good to have you with us. Also, Velma Electronic Marketing, uh, Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant, is, does a great job of getting the word out about our uh, podcast and what we're doing here. So big thank you to all of you. Then also Simplifile is a sponsor. By the way, we had Nancy Alley. I'm going to be meeting with her right after the podcast. Go back and listen to her uh, program that we when we interviewed her she was on and we did a, a great uh, we had a good discussion about what's going on with uh, their technology what they do is allows us to have a real-time environment where you are able to get updates chat messaging with um, the closing agents as you're going to close the document or closing your loan so it's a great product check it out at simplifile.com, S-I-M-P-I, excuse me, S-I-M-P-L-I-F-I-L-E.com, or call them at 1-800-460-5657. Oh, got an echo going on my ear. Love it. Anyway, we're here at the MBA Tech Show, uh, and then also we have the coming up is the Single Family Rental uh, Finance Workshop that's coming up in Washington, D.C. We also have the state and local conference April 4th, 11th through the 12th. Then we also have the National Advocacy, which starts right after that. It goes from the April 12th through the 13th. And May 1st through the 4th, we have the Legal Issues Issue in Denver, Colorado at the Hyatt Regency. Lots to talk about, stay on top of, uh, on top of and we do our best to do that and stay synced up with our friends at the NBA. So it's good to have you with us. Joe Farr, Hi, David. are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Uh, we hear you loud and clear. Uh, and I hear no echo, so... Uh... That's good. That's good. Well, I've got an echo. The reason is I'm having to listen to the podcast dialed in, and there's a little bit of latency. 
So when oh. I, we're not hearing it live through the, the headset, so it's kind of strange. So, Joe, why don't you give us a market update and uh, give us okay. a rundown on what's happening? Yeah, so today we're we're flat. We're about where we ended the day on Friday, and we've been bouncing around plus or minus two thirty seconds from that point. So, uh, not a real volatile day. The 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 economic information had no real effect on it. It was just factory orders, and it was pretty much as expected. So, no impact on the uh, on MBS prices. But uh, you know, the, today's following a very good week last week, uh, Dave. Uh, MBS prices improved almost a point. Uh, and closed uh, within a couple thirty seconds of the best price of the year. So uh, you know we had a we had a very nice run up in prices in February. We lost a lot of that late in February and, and throughout part of March, and uh, we've now gained all that we lost back. So uh, back to a very good level. Mortgage rates are about uh, uh, ten basis points lower uh, for the week. So again, a very good week for mortgage rates. And yeah. uh, most improvement came because of uh, Janet Yellen's speech on Tuesday. Uh, in that speech, she justified a very gradual increase in the Fed funds rate uh, as a result of uh, Overseeker's weakness and the uh, and the impact it could have on the U.S. economy, as well as the uncertainty that uh, inflation is uh, rising. I mean, if you look at core PCE, which came out this week at uh, up seven one point seven percent annualized or an annual basis. Uh, you know that's that's been rising a little bit up from 1.3, but the uh, uh, the concern Janet Yellen raised was that that's due to transitory factors and and uh, may not be sustained. So uh, it will be getting a lot of attention as we go forward. But uh, uh, again, it, it, the market liked what Janet Yellen had to say. Her dovish comments were taken well by the MBS market as well as by the stock market. So. Um, uh, that was a big reason for the increase last week, and all that happened despite some really pretty good economic data. Uh, her Gosh, her speech overshadowed that. all that. Yeah, I mean, starting with pending home sales. You know, we had such a bad existing home sales. It was nice to see that pending home sales uh, rose three and a half percent during the month, and and, and that was uh, uh, better than the one and a half percent that was expected. Uh, consumer confidence and consumer sentiment both rose more than expected, and and the manufacturing data, even you know, manufacturing's been struggling uh, uh, greatly lately. They, both the ISM index and the uh, Chicago PMI beat expectations. Both exceeded the 50% point at which it uh, begins to show growth. So uh, that sector showed improvement. And then all this is before the jobs data. Uh, which came out, it was very close to expectations. You know, uh, jobs created at 215 versus 210 expected. Average hourly earnings uh, rose three tenths as expected. Uh, a little surprise in the unemployment rate that it rose from 4.9 to 5, but that was really due to more people getting into the workforce, which is a good thing. Uh, and like I mentioned, core, C- yeah. core PCE came out and uh, and it shows a 1.7%. Um, Annual rate increase uh, still below the Fed's target of two percent, and according to Janet Yellen, may not be. Uh, uh, and you know, the indication of the trend may may not be that it sustains itself. So, uh, during this week, Dave, we, <clears throat> excuse me, we don't have a lot this week after a big week last week. Uh, tomorrow, the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> You're choking up on services. last week here. There's so much I to am. talk about last week. You're choking <laughs> up here. 
<laughs> ISM services came in uh, or comes out on Tuesday along with jolts. Uh, the minutes of the last Fed meeting come out on the on Wednesday, uh, two o'clock Eastern time, and then jobless claims on Thursday as always. So again, a very light week next week. I keep muting out my mic, so if you're struggling to hear me, it's only because there's the uh, session just got out and the conference facility is filling up and uh, we're getting a lot of people stopping by the booth here. But a good report. Yeah, it's really interesting. Last week, I'm going to be really interested in Janet Yellen's comments, uh, see if she doubles down on the comments she made last week because, you know, we had the other Fed people out talking and there was more of a talk that they would be doing an increase uh, in April. That was the thing, and you know, me on my podcast I'm listening to, a lot of analysts are going really concerned about uh, where this is headed, and and so yeah, geez, I think it was stilled a lot of those fears. Uh, one of the, one of the voting members was out this morning saying that the market's underestimating the number of rate increases for twenty sixteen. So when they say underestimating, you meaning that the market is underestimating, he, he, which yeah. we should be anticipating more rate. That's just that inconsistent. It just creates this. Where are the markets to go? How are, the, how are secondary guys supposed to be handling this? So that's why they need a service right. like MBS Quote Line. There you go. Yeah, for sure. All right, Joe, we're gonna we're gonna move on here. We got Paul Mallow okay. on the line and a lot of other folks uh, line, dialed in. Alice Alvey is here with us. Uh, we'll see if we get the profit doctor in, but we've got our whole group. So anyway, appreciate you being here, and we'll be right back after this brief word. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS QuoteLine delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS QuoteLine, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS QuoteLine today at MBS. MBSQuoteLine.com. MBSQuoteLine.com. 646-716-4972. The Lincoln on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lincoln. Good to have you with us, everybody. You're hearing a lot of background noise because one of the sessions just got out here at the live conference. We're broadcasting live from the D&H booth here at the MBA Tech Conference in L.A. Good to have you with us. Paul Molo, I see you're dialed in. Your mic's on. I'm going to mute uh, out here so we don't deal have to overcome all this uh, talk. But what's the headlines that you're tracking here, my friend? Well, we broke a story early this morning, um, and we put it on our website, and then we pushed it out. And, and it's the number two story in the queue about J.P. Morgan basically getting out of the rural, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the uh, USDA mortgage program, the rural housing service loans. Uh, they're basically selling the unit, uh, the production correspondent business, to Freedom. Uh, for now, it looks like JPM will keep servicing those loans, and then going forward, Freedom will uh, service you know the new production. Uh, no purchase price was attached. JPM looks like they're trying to downplay it as a big deal. Uh, it's not a huge part of their business, of course, but they are the largest player in RHS lending, uh, and there's lots of talk about they're just continuing get you know they're, they're scared about getting sued for anything these days in mortgages and this is just you know part of that uh you know strategy of you know being trying to be bulletproof uh against you know government lawsuits i mean we all know i think it was two years ago they paid something like 614 million dollars 
to settle FHA underwriting uh, uh, charges for, you know, allegedly faulty underwriting practices, et cetera. Jamie Dimon has, has made it, you know, pretty clear that, uh, you know, they're they're going to be very careful in FHA lending going forward. Their retail FHA lending is way down. They, of course, do a lot of that to correspondent purchases where they can stick the loans back to the correspondent originator so their risk is, uh, you know, uh, alleviated to some degree. So it's just more the same from JPM. Uh, we also tracked the bank loan sales of mortgages for the fourth quarter. Uh, a 25% drop just about in uh, mortgage loan sales by commercial banks. Wow, that's banks. significant. Chris, yeah, you know, it's you know, you know, loan production was off from, um, you know, I'm looking at the numbers now, uh, you know, the third to the fourth quarter too. So it tracks that a little bit. Uh, you know, we don't know. It could be just like, you know, more depositories are, you know, continuing to keep uh, loans on their books instead of selling them into the secondary market. That's jumbo mortgages, of course, but, uh, you know, there's there's evidence that they're keeping more conforming mortgages, too. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to track that development, um, and, uh, you know, it is something to keep an eye on. Uh, mortgage banking jobs, the numbers came out late on Friday, or should I say Friday morning, we got around a crunch in the numbers. Uh, mortgage brokerage firms cut about 900 workers during February. Mortgage banking firms, these are primarily non-depository, cut about 1,500 workers. I should just point out that compared to a year ago, mortgage employment is up. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to tell because we've talked to a lot of mortgage bankers, non-banks mostly, that are still in a hiring mode, uh, especially in the spring. So we'll see. Sometimes those numbers are restated, uh, and uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on that as well. Uh, we talked to some people about the uh, Mark Zandi, Lou Ranieri plan. There's three other co-authors. Uh, it's a pretty yeah, interesting white paper. Really anyone, interesting. Yeah. Anyone who hasn't read that white paper uh, should. It's called The More Promising Road to GSC Reform. Um, you know, it was penned by, again, Zandi Ranieri, uh, a couple other people on that as well, um, whose name escapes me because I'm, you know, old age <laughs> seeping in. Early in my life, and I can't recall <laughs> all the. Don't be doing that. We need you around for a long time, yeah, Paul. Yeah, I know, really, <laughs> this is awful. Uh, that's what happens when you have kids. Uh, you know, there's five authors to that, and uh, you know, anyone who's interested in GSE reform, and presumably every in the in the industry's got a dog in this show or dog in this race, whatever that southern saying is. Uh, you know, should read it. Uh, it's it's not a long piece. It's about ten pages, maybe eleven or twelve. Uh, and it's, you know, to me, it's one of the more sober and, and reasonable plans out there that, you know, might get the two different parties together next year when we know what Congress and the White House looks like to, you know, to start the, start the process of getting serious about doing something about Fannie and Freddie as opposed to just, you know, saber-rattling and sticking to their political uh, bases, you know, actually coming up with a compromise. It's a good starting point. I think anyone, again, who's interested in GC reform should should read that paper because it's very, it's very middle of the road, it's very sober, it's, you know, and it's written by very serious people. So anyway, enough about that. Uh, Jumbo MES market. Listen, uh, Jumbo MES market uh, securitization, it's, it's been ugly this year. Uh, there's still people interested in doing deals, but until this trade mess gets fixed, uh, it's it's just going to be it's going to be brutal. So just keep a keep yeah an more eye. of the same yeah 
Yeah, and, uh, you know, we talked a little bit more about one of the most interesting uh, closures of the year, uh, W.J. Bradley. Supreme Lending, we confirmed, hired about 20 of their people, at least in California. We also heard about another production group early in the year that had jumped ship to W.J. Bradley from um, uh, elsewhere, and we heard that they may have landed, so that's good news. Uh, Joe Garrett, he's uh, Garrett McCalling Company consulting firm in California. I always like reading Joe's uh, messages to clients. He wants to run a contest about uh, the CFPB. Richard Cordray is what he calls a vote for the most egregious action taken by the CFPB. <laughs> uh, you know, Joe's, you know, he's got his tongue in cheek when he writes these things. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> anyway, he's, you know, I always like reading his report to his clients. Uh, and the scratch and dent trade market is, uh, you know, looks like it's humming along, and uh, you know we'll continue to do so. Um, and, and I think we reported last week w, some W J Bradley's mortgages jumbos have been sold in the scratch and dent market, so that um, could be the end of uh, that, the product that they have available for sale as that company continues to wind down its operations. So, and that's about it. That's a good stuff. Uh, folks, if you have not gone out and ordered this newsletter that could land in your daily inbox, be sure to do so. Go out to imfnews.com. Paul, thanks so much for being here with us. Wish you were thanks here in L.A. with us. L.A. is nice. too much for the man, as that song goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving on that midnight us, train to Washington, so much, D.C. Have a good one. All right, well, let's move over to... Alice Alby, how are you doing, Alice? How are you? Let's see, make sure I got your mic turned on. Everything is good. Are you there? Hi, Dave. Yes, I'm here. Hey, there you are, Alice. I'm going to mute out so you can get your good reports. Come on in so we don't have to deal with the background noise. Now, do you hear a lot of background noise, Alice? No, Dave. It doesn't sound bad at all, so I wouldn't worry about it. Oh, good. So that's good. It's just our side here that we're hearing it, so then I can I'm not have to worry about it. Great. That's right. So what you got, Alice? Yeah, sounds okay now. So, um, so Fannie Mae has a new condominium project questionnaire, so that's effective. Actually, you can use it now um, unless you want to wait for the DU update in June. So it's optional as of now, so definitely something folks should go check out. There's a short form and a full form. Um, so that's up today. A couple of bills that we're still watching that haven't had any movement. We've got the SAFE Act transitional licensing, which I know um, – it's important to everybody. It was introduced a long time ago. It's HR 2121. It still hasn't gone anywhere. Um, so, you know, as everybody's out trying to get elected and summer is coming, and we'll, we're not sure how much attention some of these will get. Um, another bill that was pending was that we've been watching is the GSEs, you know, looking for, or I should say Congress trying to push for a little bit more of an alternative credit score model. As you all know, we've used the FICO model forever. So we have House Bill 4211 that was introduced a few months ago. Still haven't seen any movement on that. Probably not too likely to try and get the GSE to use another credit score model besides just sticking with the FICO. There's definitely complaints that maybe there's not enough transparency in that particular one. Um, and then last but not least, I think we are looking at that um, we've got some new things going on with the 1003, which I know that we'll be talking about. Hopefully if we have uh, someone from Fannie Mae will be stopping by, I understand, on the show. So um, folks will yes. get a chance to touch Hopefully about Hopefully Natalie Hunt will be swinging by her. She, I ran into her in the hallway. She says, oh, absolutely. Now, she and Great. I spoke last week, uh, Alice, in Oklahoma City, and she was rolling out and getting feedback on the new uh, – Application. Very interesting. So we'll get some of her thoughts as we can get her on mic here a little bit later. So, all right. All right. Uh, yeah. 
that's and it. then we've got so a that's few, it. We've got the oh yeah, no. Folks. Yep, just about that's it. I mean, we've got folks trying to um, grapple with uh, Humda issues as they're trying to clean up their Humda reports from um, this year as they tried to file, and of course, you know, they're finding all kinds of uh, things that didn't go smoothly now as they're getting their reports back for their error reports. Um, so we can't stress enough to folks on really making sure you're drilling down and understanding the clarification that the NMLS published for defining an application versus how you define an application for the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act reporting. And we're finding companies are still struggling to get down to the bottom of this. You really do anything that's really just a lead, pre-qual, those need to go on your NMLS report. Make sure your software provider has a way to differentiate that from your Humda reporting. So you get both reports right because they don't use the same definition. Um, so that's my hot topics and hot buttons for today, Dave, on the operation and legislative front. Well, thank you so much, Alice. Appreciate you being here with us, as always. want you to be here. You're my backup, as everyone knows, in case something doesn't go quite as planned. We know we got All you right. on the line, so appreciate you so much. Folks, we're going to be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Well, there I got caught talking to our guest who's going to be on here in a little bit. And uh, sure enough, <laughs> didn't get to my mic fast enough. Anyway, we've got Sam Garcia. Good to have the Garcia on here with you. How hey, you how you doing, friend? David? Good. Uh, good you're in here. my town, man. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah you're, it's just your old stomping ground. So good to have you here. So let's run through the headlines. What's your, some of the stuff you're tracking? Yeah, you got it. Um, First off, our mortgage market index was up 4% last week. Always good when new business is up. Um, and that index, which is a reflection of average per user rate locks by clients of open close, was off 8% from a year earlier. Um, refinance activity was up 8% last week, so we had some little bit better rates, and that drove a few more people in to apply for a refinance mortgage. Um, even more significant was jumbo business, which jumped 14%. So jumbo was hot last week. Um, of course, you talked a little bit ago about uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, report that there were 296,800 non-baked jobs in February in the mortgage industry. And uh, we use, of course, that data along with some origination market share data to estimate that there were a total of 617,700 people in the business, including banks and uh and credit unions as of February. Uh, we estimate that the, at the banks there were 258,000 people, while at credit unions there were 63,000 people roughly. So uh, that's where the industry stands roughly uh, as of right now. And, you know, today we put out our, our fourth quarter uh, mortgage employment index report, and what that does is kind of look at uh, employment, you know, where it's going and, and coming from as far as by state and company. We've had, a, from what we track, New Jersey had the most job gains during the quarter, uh, while North Carolina had the most mortgage job losses. Um, and then among individual companies, 
Freedom uh, Mortgage previously reported that it was going to add around 400 people during the quarter. Quarter, so that was the biggest gain we tracked. While um, Bank of America had uh, 1,100 losses, uh, this, is, this means that they had that many more uh, layoffs than hirings that we tracked, which was the biggest quarterly loss among any company. So that's kind of where some of the activities happening within mortgage employment, um, which has kind of been on a downward trend for, trend for quite a few months now. Um, also, uh, Freddie Mac put out their uh, March 2016 economic and housing market forecast. And they have uh, 2016 purchase money originations coming in at over $1 trillion. And they bumped that from a month earlier when uh, Freddie estimated that it was going to be about $948 billion in purchase financing this year. So purchase outlook improves, which is always good. Um, always I, I don't really yeah. – yeah, yeah. And uh, the CFPB put out its uh, – Complaint uh, report, you know, indicates you know how many complaints it received by sector, and um, we see that uh, mortgage complaints uh, were up 18% um, compared to a year ago versus um, a much smaller rise, 10% for overall complaints. So mortgage complaints are still uh, accelerating a little bit. I'm not sure exactly why we didn't go deep into it, but uh, the fact is is that it was up more than the rest of the financial services sector. Um, Agency issuance. Uh, EMBS gives us some data each month, and it showed that uh, agency issuance of fixed-rate mortgage-backed securities by you know Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny was up 25% in March. So that was a big jump, and that suggests that uh, uh, that towards the end of the first quarter, or maybe even you know around February, volume at uh, primary originators was up. It's a good little. Uh, indicator for upcoming business. And among those three uh, companies, it was Freddie that had the biggest increase. It was it surged uh, 37%. So um, that's kind of, uh, I, I imagine we're going to still be slower when we get these first quarter earnings uh, reports out that show, you know, origination data, but it's a good indicator for second quarter activity. <clears throat> um, Reverse Market Insight put out uh, some information that basically covers how many home equity conversion mortgages are uh, endorsed by FHA each month. And, and in March, that turned out to be 45 or 4,500 roughly. Um, wasn't really a whole lot different than uh, the prior month or a year earlier. Uh, among all the lenders that do make these, we, they tracked 327 FHA mortgages that were active uh, uh, during March. And that was actually fewer than a year earlier. And among those lenders, it was American Advisors Group that was the biggest uh, originator of HECM. So, um, and they typically have been for for a while now. Um, finally, um, coffee uh, that index was reported by the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco, and that came in at 0.67 percent for February, and it's been up each month since November. Um, so that's where coffee's been heading lately. After a, are you aware of any low. coffee arms out there? Is anyone doing those? Um, I don't. I don't think that's really a, a a current product, but there's still a lot of people who have the arms, yeah, so they're yeah, because their they, rate will adjust. Exactly. So that, you know, that's what's exactly. significant there is what's going to happen with your rate. But still, that's pretty low when you look back at how high that has been, and you know, even though it's been going up each month, it's just this little fractional amount, not real significant in the amount, just the consistency that it's been going up each month. Well, I appreciate you. Uh being here with my friend and folks if you have not checked out the website mortgagedaily.com go ahead and do so i encourage you to sign up sam gar can be sam can be reached at uh, area code 
214-521-1300. Sam, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, and enjoy your conference. Uh, we, we, uh, we are having a good time here. Wish you were here, Fred, in your old stomping ground. Yeah, me too. All right. Ha- have time. a great time. Take care of Dallas. I'll be back there soon. All right, man. Okay. Talk to you soon. All right. You bet. All right, folks. Uh, we've got uh, with us, always enjoy having ArchMI as a sponsor, and we've got a word from Jim Jump. Jim Jump, again, is the ArchMI's uh, chief marketing officer, and he's going to talk to us about the RateStar program. Let's get the word from Jim. Hello, David, and thanks for having me on the program. Today, I want to share some information about ArchMI's most dynamic and competitive rate program. It's called ArchMI RateStar, and it's a revolutionary mortgage insurance pricing solution that goes well beyond traditional MI rate sheets to provide our most competitive rates match precisely with your borrower. RateStar is now available, and all you need is your NMLS number to start using RateStar today. RateStar allows for our customers to obtain our most competitive rate for each loan they insure with ArchMI, and in many cases, with considerable savings over traditional rate card pricing. Mortgage originators are letting us know that they like how easy it is to access RateStar, just how easy it is to use, and they really like the innovative design. RateStar is available to our customers via Archimai's website at archimai.com or archimicu.com for credit unions. And the mobile app is available for Apple and Android devices. It is fully integrated with most loan origination systems and product and pricing engines. And with that, David, I will turn it back over to you and say thank you for the time. Always good to have you with us. In fact, uh, for those of you here at the Technology Conference, be sure to go in to the booth at ArchMI. Check out what they've got going as well as their app. Get a hold of their rep. They've got some outstanding people. I tell you, we're so blessed to have them as a sponsor. Great people, great opportunity. Uh, let's see here. I'm, trying, I'm looking for the profit doctor. He would see if we could get him on here. He'd send his greetings. Uh, he had a conference call, and so we're seeing if we can get him in. And I'm looking up and down the line of all the callers. Man, people dialed in from all over the country. Thank you so much and telling others about it. It's obvious that you're doing your job. We're doing our job as best we can here. We're going to go over to Motivity Solutions. It provides us a update of the KPI of the week. And uh, th- these are as informational and instructional and help you uh, as mortgage lenders, pay attention to the way your business operates. So uh, we have John Maynell with us, who is with us, uh, who is uh, the um, uh, VP of Client Services, and uh, he's got our latest KPI. So let's see what you got, John. Thanks very much, Dave. It's great to be here. And this week's key performance indicator is application to funded pull-through. Uh, This KPI is a key ratio that can provide insight into several facets of a lender's business, Uh, everything from broad-spectrum marketing to loan officer performance, even things like operational effectiveness in areas like uh, cycle time and borrower communications. Our clients are leveraging this KPI to ensure that they connect with qualified borrowers and keep those borrowers engaged throughout the process, getting them to the closing table consistently and with no surprises. And this, of course, has a positive impact on customer satisfaction. This and other KPIs we will be talking about in the coming weeks consistently demonstrate that what gets measured gets results. So thanks very much again, Dave. And with that, I will turn it back to you. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Again, our hearts go out and thoughts and prayers go out to the whole Motivity family for all that you guys have had to work through with the untimely passing of Todd Sherman. So anyway, I saw the guys there and they say, we're picking up the cross. We're picking up, making it happen. 
We're moving this thing forward, rallying around the company, and anticipating some really exciting things as a result of this. Now, you say, how could something good come out of that? Yeah, no, you can't replace Todd, but they are moving forward, and they've got a great bench strength in their technology team. So even though they lost one of the, the leader, they're going to continue on and do really, really well. So pay attention to it. Hand out, check out Motivity Solutions by heading over to their uh, to their website, MotivitySolutions.com, or call them at 303-721-9000. Good to have everyone here. We are so fortunate to be doing broadcasting live from the conference here, and I'm going to pull out my earphones where I was listening uh, on to the podcast, and, and so I'm now turning on the mic with Diane. We have Dylan, Diane Billy here with us, who is vice president of a product or of lending for DNH. She has also had a distinguished career. She's also VP, the uh, vice president of lending for the Barometer, and that's what we're going to be talking about, Diane. It's good to have you here with us. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. That's a real privilege. I know, and, you know, with all the commotion going on around us, so we, these mics, we're picking up audience, a lot of noise. Now, evidently, you're not here yet, so we're hearing from one of our listeners, Nina, dialed in and said, hey, hear you loud and clear, crystal clear. Uh, so, Joe and Alice, unfortunately, I had to pull my plugs out, my ear out, so I can't hear you guys right now, just so I can not have the echo and deal with that. So, we're going to go through the, um, some questions. I want to really talk to you, Diane, about some of the things that are going on. D&H is a leader in the world of technology. You guys are probably unique in this aspect is you have some good diversity in the products you have. So when you look at the depth and breadth of the company, there is, there, there's a lot there. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand or appreciate just how you know, much depth and breadth there is in your company. That's true. Um, we, ha- we are in lending, in core, in payments, in channel optimization. We have end-to-end mortgage solutions. Um, so we are global specialists in lending and payments. I really want to talk about one of the things that you're doing that's very innovative, is, and that is a new product called Barometer. And that's something that uh, I want our listeners to learn more about. Now, it's not in the U.S. just yet, but it's coming. But you've also got this product introduced. So let's, first of all, tell us a little bit, why is this innovation important to your customers and hopefully soon to the, to the U.S.? Great. Um, so I'm happy to talk to you and your customers and listeners about uh, Barometer. DNH understands the highly regulated, constantly changing compliance landscape. Our clients and experience tells us that how costly it is for banks and credit unions in Canada and the U.S. to manage and, and administer. For example, research shows that the cost of Tila Respa has increased the application processing by $209 wow. per application. Our clients rely on us to bring these kinds of innovative solutions to the market to help them deal with these compliance and regulatory issues. Well, you look at, there's certainly been a lot there with the TRID, but $209 per, dollars per application. So what led to the creation of this innovative product that you guys launched? Talk, give us a little history on this. Sure. We actually started with two pilots. One Four. of our, yes. One of our Canadian clients, uh, one of our big clients, who is a former U.S. lending expert, came to us looking for a technology solution. He couldn't find anything in the market. And the whole goal was for him to calibrate his employees. And what When you say calibrate yeah. your employees, that's an interesting... So talk a little bit about how, did, how do you calibrate your employees, per se? For sure. So what he wanted to do is um, he wanted to teach his employees subjectivity. And you say, well, how do you teach subjectivity? Well, each institution has an, a risk profile. And what they want to do is have every employee under the same circumstance make the same decision. That's and interesting. That, and that's teaching subjectivity. So well, that's, I mean, Alice, if I could get her in. Alice, again, apologize. I can't, if I have you, if I could hear you, then I've got double myself in the ear, and that's just 
Not good. Double of me in my ear is not good, especially when it's delayed. <laughs> but, Alice, I know you'd be drive diving in this because that's the thing we're missing in a lot of the energy. We lost that in the way U.S. loans are being underwritten, the subjectivity, because we went to AUS. So it, we went very binary. If, if It's in and out, and we, we don't do that. So I'm really fascinated about the subjectivity part of this and how you develop that. And what we're learning is that each of our clients believe their policies differentiate them. And so what we've done is created a configurable solution that allows you to configure to your policy based on regulations as well, though. So you're using industry best practices, you're using regulations, and you're using the financial institution policies. And you now can create profiles of how you want your team to make decisions under certain circumstances. So it's, it's absolutely a great way to increase efficiency. So when you're bringing the subject, I, I just want to dive into that because <laughs> it's such a big need of our industry. I mean, I was just at a client last week, and they're going, I'm so frustrated. I started with the head of underwriting. She goes, I have the folks that are the binary underwriters that came in since the AUS and the, the, the automated underwriting systems have been became active. They can't make a decision other than it's approved and accepted or the other. So talk to me, if you could just give us a little more insights into that, and then I want to go, well, how are you going to be bringing that to market? But first of all, a little more insights to that. Sure. So what we're doing is we've created these real-world scenarios oh. in our product. So if there's a technology foundation, absolutely, and then we've created these real-world scenarios that all allow an, in, an institution to configure to their policies. What you do then is you test your employees based on the regulations, based on the industry best practices, and based on your policies. And what they can do is they can do, it's a simulator, if you oh, will. Oh, really? I like that. So they can simulate cases, and you as a manager or leader or the head can look at the results of your employees and see where the strengths and weaknesses are. Where are the knowledge gaps? You can now target your training in your training department to fill those gaps. And I love it. Ultimately, you have the confidence as you increase your proficiency of your employees and your team that under these circumstances, every employee would make that decision. So it allows you in a safe environment to test these unusual cases or difficult, complex cases or even simple cases as you're teaching uh, your novice employees to become more knowledgeable. And this is called barometer. Barometer. I love this. So when are you taking this to market here? Okay. Talk about it. Um, we yeah. got to have we're in desperate need of that here in the U.S. So we are actually about two months, two weeks away from a minimum viable product in Canada. We have a couple. Okay, of Okay, somebody clients. out there, write that down. We've got a technology coming. Committed to two weeks. We got that down. Two weeks. Two weeks here. In Our, Canada, in, remember oh, I said. Okay. <laughs> I'm on it here. And we will have uh, 300 cases with over 4,000 questions wow. in Canada in the next two weeks. Okay. Uh, for the U.S. We are actually looking at within the next three months to have a minimum viable product. And actually, a great opportunity being here today at the MBA conference is to talk to some of the banks and credit unions. We'd love to hear feedback on what kind of topics, what kinds of challenges, what regulations are, are difficult. And we'd love to hear that feedback from these these. You mentioned today. banks and credit unions. This also works for independent mortgage bankers as yes, well. Absolutely. So anybody that's in the lending field, I mean the mortgage and lending space. In fact, beyond just mortgage lending, this is credit cards, yeah. auto, any type of end-to-end lend lending, wealth management even. So we, we really have a broad um, yeah. escape that we can cover. I'm really excited about that. What challenges are you trying to help your clients solve with this solution? So what's the problem you're solving? Well, so the problem is really that we're finding that the marketplace, and we saw that with Tila Resta, is yeah. Uh, governed by rapidly changing um, right. clients and regulations. And the regulatory bodies expect clients to stay up to date and have leading practices in, in keeping their, their underwriters and their lending um, employees up to date and knowledgeable as the regulations change. 
So what we're trying to do with Barometer is, is fill that gap for them. We want to make them feel confident that their employees are up to date with the latest regulations. And we did that with Tila Resto. We actually launched a pilot in the U.S. last oh. fall. And within two weeks, we had over 300 institutions with 1,500 employees self serve and execute the TILA RESPA certification. Wow. So we've tested it in the U.S. and we know it's going to work. Oh, good. Excellent. We can't wait to have it. So let's get in talking specifically, what is Barometer? So as I said before... I like the name, by the way. You that's, like that's, that? Yeah, that's yeah, good. Well, it's Barometer Calibration, that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. it works. Um, so it's a lending simulator right. that calibrates your employee decision-making and ultimately allowing the, the client to increase their profitability, reduce compliance burden, and at the core of barometers, these real-world relevant scenarios built on regulatory compliance, um, industry standards, and the FI policies. So does this fit, like Alice does a lot of training. She's an excellent trainer. This fits. This doesn't replace that. No, no, no. This is a adjunct to your training. Okay. So what it will help you do is, you know, we all learn different yeah. as adults, right? right? Sometimes, you know, we... <laughs> some would argue some of us don't learn. So what Barometer can do for you is help show those gaps on how, where you're training it. It's where Good. the gaps in your training are, whether that's one-on-one coaching. Good. So I could, yeah, so this fits. So anyway, fits, yeah. so you, you actually can then drill in with some intelligence where some of your where, where the talent training is needed. Mm-hmm. So this is actually supporting someone with something what Alice is doing. Very interesting. So what, uh, what will Barometer offer clients? So, I mean, what is the expectation for what they should be able to have as a result of it? Sure. Um, FIs have offered a configurable real-world case scenario designed to validate the workforce understanding. So as I mentioned before, they can go in and configure their FI policies. They, it is based on best practices and on the regulation. And so um, they can then test their employees both on an individual level and in aggregate. And they can do this over time. So you can see how your team is progressing. In addition, we have robust analytics and reporting that then can demonstrate proficiency to regulators, wow. which we understand is a big challenge in the market. Oh, yeah, big challenge. Is it a challenge in Canada? It is also, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was hoping that was unique to us here. <laughs> um, so when you look at the, the, the benefits of that, then how are you – talk more about how you're reducing risk. I got the regulatory risk. That's the biggest one here we're struggling right. with in the U.S. And by the way, uh, Diane lives in Canada, is based in Canada, and DNH is a Canadian-based firm, but is serving the U.S. and global, all over the market. So, so talk about how you're specifically reducing risk. So by using real-world scenarios based on regulations and calibrating their employees to the client risk profile, they can expect to, through our robust reporting – demonstrate adherence to compliance and regulations to the regulators, so that's one absolutely. It helps improve the reputation with the regulators. Yeah. I'm not sure if that information is published in the U.S. or not, but... Uh, well, what's published in the U.S. by our regulators seems to can be more confusing than clarity. <laughs> so, I mean, we were talking about that yesterday when we met. We got so much ambiguity of how it's interpreting and that, and uh, so anything we can do that can bring clarity to that. So, that's that's... Fascinating. So let's talk about uh, profitability. I mean, hopefully everything that's going on in the world of technology just isn't bringing in an added expense, but actually dropping some net income to the bottom line. Talk about how Barometer can do just that. So clients will develop better lending books through proficient employees. So right. by increasing your employees, uh, employees' proficiency, you're taking costs out of compliance. Right. Absolutely. And you're demonstrating consistent 
uh, increasing your lending IQ scores of your employees. And Barometer has, we have built in lending and IQ scores. So one of the challenges will be to see your employee IQ scores go up. Good. Um, Proficient employees obviously write higher uh, quality applications and underwrite higher quality mortgages. By testing and calibrating employees, they can decrease the risk of having to repurchase uh, bad loans that have been written. Is Barometer unique in the industry as a solution? I mean, what differences or what differentiates Barometer from other compliance solutions? Well, our research tells us, yes, we are different. There is nothing out there like, like our product. Uh, our clients have told us that their individual policies are different. No other product on the market allows the configuration of FI policies to each individual institution. DNH offers a commitment to provide a high volume of exceptional and relevant real-world cases and that we will maintain pace with the changing technologies and the t- changing regulations. The robust reporting and analytics provides the banks and credit unions and the mortgage lenders with actionable insights. Really fascinating when you start looking at this. So if a listener wants to learn more, how do they learn more and how can they get a hold of you, Diane? Oh, that's great, Dave. They can come and visit us here at the DNH booth at 415, if they like, at the MBA conference. Or they can reach us at barometerinfo at dnh.com. And we'd be happy to answer any questions. I can spell that, B-A-R-O-M-E-T-E-R-I-N-F-O at dnh.com. Good. I've got my ed, uh, earbuds back in here. So, Alice, Joe, I can hear you. Now, Diane, unfortunately, is not going to hear your questions, so I'll repeat them. Do you have any questions that you want me to put? <laughs> I said, no questions. <laughs> We're just joking. So, Alice, uh, any, this sounds really interesting. It's, it fits alongside with what you're doing on the training side. Yes, it does, Dave. So my question is, um, how does this fit in with the loan origination software system? Let's just keep it quick yeah, there and see if you great, can go off on that uh, direction. Great question. So, Diane, how does Alice was asking, how does this fit in with the loan origination software? Does this fit in in real time is one of the things I'd be interested. Is this something where you're measuring uh, you know, metrics on what people are doing in a real-time manner? It's part of our roadmap, yeah. so we have heard from clients that they would love us to integrate with LOS, and as you know, DNH has its own LOS systems as yeah. well. So part of our roadmap is to look at doing it real-time integration. At this moment, it is a simulator. They are real-world-based cases, but they are not integrated at the moment. We are just trying to get the product well, to market. Well, you're just getting the product to market that's anyway. Right, I guess right. that's yeah. the market. Yeah. But it's interesting. I mean, I think she asked a great question. Yeah, is absolutely. It would be the more you can integrate this in and get that, so then the next phone call is, is Alice, it's obvious we got a problem here. We need you in here training on this specific area because we got some issues. So uh, does that answer the question, Alice? Yes, it did, Dave. Thank you. And um, 300 you. cases that they have and 4,000 questions sounds like a, a lot of cases. So I'm assuming they've covered things from uh, conventional, jumbo, FHA, VA. You know, so maybe ask, ask her about the product coverage on all of those cases. Continue there's there's a lot there, uh, and, and so I'm I'm troubled, having a little trouble hearing. Yeah, Joe, I thought I was going to go over to you. Sorry, Alice. Okay. Um, a quick question: How does uh, how does this apply in the fair lending world? And it would seem to create a good bit of defense for you for your company. So how does this work, Diane, in the fair lending space? Now I need to know this. Uh, Diane is not familiar with all of the American regulations that we have, and so probably it's not fair. But this would absolutely fit because what happens is is when you're able to measure 
any aspect of what's going on with the compliance your compliance. So you're, it does apply to fair lending, and again, applies to any aspect of things. So I would say, generally speaking, um, it would apply to any part of lending, anywhere where you've got a human being making a decision based on a regulation or a policy, and where you need them to make specific decisions based on those. It absolutely would apply. So real-world scenarios would be created that represent fair lending, and then you can test and, and validate employee proficiency on an ongoing basis. Very good. Um, excellent. Question, Joe, Alice, any other questions? Good job. I'm looking for Mike Frattentoni, and uh, there he is. I see him over here. We're trying to get him to come to the booth over uh, and get him on. Thank you, Diane. You're Great My job. Pleasure. You Thank know, you. folks, it is so good to have people, and so nice to meet a friendly person with some great innovation from Canada. Can't wait to get that down here and be a part of it. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. It's good to be here. We've got uh, Mike Frattentoni joining us. Uh, Mike, how are you? Good Good day. Well, let me turn on your mic here. There we go. It makes a difference if I turn on the mic. Diane, yours is down and off. So, Mike, I have to hold that just right about there. Perfect. Good to have you. Thanks so much for being uh, inviting us in here and letting us do a good job. How was the session this morning, Mike? Oh, I thought it was extremely interesting. So, uh, give us a rundown. Some of the you were there. So can you cover a couple of the highlights from the what you what you heard? Certainly. So we started off with Rodrigo Lopez, our chair-elect, given the the news from MBA, and I think really giving a shout-out to the vendors in this industry that you know, they are under more scrutiny than has ever been the case. And you know, at our annual convention last year, Richard Cordray directly saying, you know, look, we're going to be looking not just at the lenders, even though they're ultimately responsible, right. but the vendors as well. And so I think Rodrigo really making the point that MBA represents them as well, and we want to make sure that they have the information uh, and really the communication that they need to succeed. So that, that, that was, for me, was the highlight from Rodrigo's remarks. Yeah. And then we had Jerry Kaplan. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wanted, really wanted to hear him, but I had to miss it to get ready for this. Yeah, so talk about Jerry's comment. So talking about you know, what artificial intelligence, really AI, what the tools that are being developed there, how they might be useful in the mortgage industry. and really demystifying a lot of what AI means, and it's really just defining it as a set of engineering tools, whether it's you know, machine learning that can be applied to big data or expert systems um, or a set of you know, logical expressions. That, you know, it's been used to develop you know, programs that can beat chess grandmasters, can be used to help some of our problems of you know, overwhelming costs and very low productivity. So what did he say as far as a proper expectation for AI? I mean, I'm fascinated. I've been studying AI for years, ever since it first came out, trying to get some idea of where that's at. In fact, I was listening to a podcast on that this weekend. They're saying those that have this fear. In fact, it was um, Debate Squared. I think it's put on by NPR. It's a great series if you haven't listened. And they were talking about is artificial intelligence, is robotics really at a point where it's going to displace all of us humans? And we heard earlier DNH talking about their barometer product, which is in Canada right now, but coming into the U.S. market, which allows us to really just start measuring that. So, what is the? Did he talk about proper expectations that we should have in our industry for AI? Yeah. So in his uh, talk in the general session, he focused more on sort of what are the, what are the prospects, what are the potential benefits yes. of bringing this into yes. an industry like ours. Afterwards, he and I spoke in the exhibit hall, and I gave him exactly that question. I said, you know, more and more often this year, I'm getting what I call the robot question, which was, are we going to all lose our jobs to a bunch of robots? <laughs> and he gave what I think is a very sensible answer, and I liked it because it's similar to the answer I've been giving, which is, it's going to displace people, right? So if you have a self-driving truck, 
that truck driver may lose his job, but you have to think about it. A truck driver doesn't just drive the truck. They load the truck. They offload the truck. They do other yeah. things. It's going to yeah. change the way that certain jobs are, are done. It's not necessarily going to replace, replace the people. people. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm still confident in our job of, you know, <laughs> a million and a half new jobs okay. over the next year. And, you know, I'm going to keep forecasting that, even though, but, it's the, but the nature of those jobs is likely to change. I'm looking at We've got just a few moments left. So let's talk about your economic forecast. Again, for those that dialed in or didn't, I didn't do a good job introducing Mike Fratt and Tony is the senior vice, EVP, senior vice president of uh, SVP, e- chief, yes, economist. Yeah, chief economist for the NBA. So let's get a kind of any, what, any, shifting in your economic forecast uh where do you see the changes in what you thought was going to be and where things might be heading this year well yeah if you've seen my forecast uh six months ago it's just gotten better from the perspective of a higher origination total we think we'll be up to about 1.5 trillion for the year and that's being driven by the job market stronger than we originally expected and rates being lower. That's a great combination for the mortgage industry. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's right? that's so, great. You know, home sales coming in a little bit hotter than we would have guessed. Home prices still growing faster than we would have guessed. And then really seeing growing demand. If you look at purchase applications so far this year, regularly running about 20% plus ahead of where we were last year at this point. So I think if you're a purchase lender, looks very strong. Rates not increasing as fast as we originally guessed. So refi falling off, but not quite as quickly as we might have earlier forecasted. So last week we heard a lot of Fed talk from some that vote, some that don't vote, then sounding like very hawkish that we might see a rate hike. Uh, you're inside the Beltway, so do you have any unique perspective on that? We're waiting for Janet Yellen's comments, I think, on Wednesday. The FOMC meeting minutes get released. Right. And, uh, and Joe, I'm going to go to you in just a minute to see if you have any questions for Mike and, uh, and just actually get ready for any questions you want me to shoot off the mic. But what do you see? What's your thoughts on a rate hike? I mean... So I think it's really unlikely that they would increase in April, but we've got our forecast pegged on an increase in June and an increase in December. So two more. Two more this year, then probably increasing the pace as we get into 17 and 18, probably four plus per year. But I completely agree with you. You listen to Fed officials, uh, through February into March, you had a lot of cautionary notes right. being sounded. They're getting a little more hawkish, everyone except for Chair Yellen, who <laughs> in her speech last week really sounded very uh, dovish. My, my guess is she was trying to wave people off of the thought that they would raise in April. But okay. you had even people like Rosengren today saying, you know, don't don't be uh, caught by surprise, market. You, you, you guys are not doing a good job of forecasting our behavior. And he's one of the most dovish members of the FOMC. And he's saying, when he makes that kind of yeah, comment, so, that's, uh, that's real. It's fascinating. That's a signal that June is probably the most likely yeah. next hike. But when you look at the economic data that's coming out, Joe, I promise I'm coming to you. Don't hang. Okay. <laughs> uh, when you look at the, the economic data that is out there. It, it looks. We've seen the Fed monitor, manage monetary policy almost by suggestion they're going to, and never follow through on it. Is that a possibility? That we're, I guess that's always a possibility. But your thoughts on that, or really, is a rate hike almost a well, rate hike would be welcomed in June? Yeah. So it seems like rates fall a little bit after the hike happens, eliminating some of the uncertainty. Yeah. Well, there's always the two things going on, right? There's how the Fed is going to maneuver short-term rates. They're looking at the job market. They're right. looking at inflation. Both job market and inflation are really strongly suggesting they need to hike, and that's why you have someone like Rosengren saying that. Long rates, that's being driven by abroad, right? Yeah. And, you know, Japanese 10-year at negative 10 basis points, right? And, you know, German 10-year at 12 or 13 basis points. So if you're a global investor deciding where to park your dollars, 
U.S. securities look pretty really darn good, good. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's driving long rates. Yeah, down. I think that's really a good point. I think that's a really, really good point. Okay, Dr. Farr, so what you got, well, what questions you have for Mike? That sort of uh, got to my question, which for Mike it would be. Well, you unfortunately can't hear him. I hear him in my other earbuds in here. Joe, do you have any questions you want to run in there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about uh, in the mortgage. You're get it out if you're talking. I'm not hearing you. No. I'm... Can you hear me now, David? Nope. Yeah, well, a little bit better. I'll turn down my mic. Go ahead and shoot. Yeah, so at what point, Mike, do, does a Fed rate hike uh, – uh, when is a Fed rate hike good for mortgage rates as, it, as it's being done right. to uh, reduce inflation? So when is a rate hike – go fast – whoops. Turn my mic back up here. So, when is a rate hike good for mortgage rates and 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 helping the economy? Yeah. So, generally, the way an economist looks at the world, right, is that a long-term rate is the market's best forecast of where short-term rates are headed, uh, and also the market's forecast of where inflation right. is likely to be. If the Fed gets behind the eight ball and they're not raising short-term rates to, to sort of combat an expected inflation long-term rates are going to jump. Right? Oh, okay. So they're sort of balancing plates here on sticks, right? They got, right. They got one tool that can do you know, multiple different uh, goals. Um, that's, that's the concern, and that's why you're seeing more Fed officials speaking out, saying it's time for us to move, time for us to move, because if they start getting behind, you know, that uh-huh. really was what happened in the 70s and the 80s, that the Fed was reluctant to raise rates in the face of growing inflationary pressures. Our industry would really, you know, be, be at, at uh, severe peril if we got a big spike in long right, rates. Right. So that, that's not an outcome we so want. So a gradual, a, a gradual ascent to where yeah. the targets are is going to be the better, the better scenario. Yeah, that's our not. industry does well if the Fed is sort of on their job, making sure that job market's strong, inflation under control, balanced scenario, and not a lot of volatility in the market. Joe, did we get the question asked right? I got the volume up now, so I can hear you now. Yes. Yes. Good. 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 Excellent. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. I'm looking at the clock. I can't believe we're out of time. Thank you, Mike, for stopping by and being with us for a few minutes. Folks, we are sitting here live at the MBA Tech Conference. We've had Linda Billy, of Vice President of the Barometer Product. Be ready. Bur- what? I said Diane. What the world? It's right here in front of me. Oh, okay. That, that, okay, I'm doing what Paul said. I'm getting old. It's that old thing going shut. So, hey, Diane Billy is sitting here with us. Vice President. I just interviewed her. So anyway, there it goes. All right, it's revealing my age. Uh, so anyway, been good to have you with us, everybody. So many of you dialed in across the country. I see it. Uh, but thank you so much. We are going to be back next week. We're going to be talking about freemium. We have, we've got uh, Peter Froberg from uh, Denmark calling in, and we'll be talking about the freemium. Uh, how freemium can work for you. It's a very interesting topic, and it's going to be, uh, again, next week. And that's uh, be sure to check out the podcast. Be sh- you can always go to the website, looking on lending. we got them uh, up and doing a better job of getting up the future broadcasts up there so you know what's coming down the line. Appreciate you being here with us. And Alice, Joe, Andy Shell, the Prophet Doctor, normally here with us. Uh, there's just so much going on around it. If it sounds a little disconnected, your post, it's only because your host is obviously getting a little older and getting a little disconnected. It's good to have you with us. We appreciate you dialing in and telling others about the podcast. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. Oh, Andy says he is on. Andy, appreciate you being on. I'm sorry to get you on the radio. I, did, I was looking for you in the stack here. But anyway, have a great week, everybody. Look forward to talking to you soon. 
This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Quoline, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 